for like a preliminary check-in. This is always like a hard one because it's towards the end of the day and our brains are fried. Um, and I also, when I was like writing the name of this session, I was thinking sometimes that the, the sessions sound really cool. And then I click on it, I'm like, oh, that's not something I wanted, or I'm like confused. <laughs> I was like, how do I make it as straightforward as possible? <laughs> so hopefully you know what you're here for. Um, how many of you teach, so I mean, obviously you can teach whatever you want in here, but it was listed on there like fourth through eighth, I think. So how many of you teach fourth grade? Just for, okay, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Okay, awesome. Anybody I missed? Librarians. Oh, librarians. Okay, great. Um, and on a comfort scale of like zero, I've never done anything with book club discussions to ten, I feel really comfortable. Where can you just show me with your fingers, kind of where you're where you're at? Okay. Okay. Cool. Great. Okay, awesome. Um, I, my name is Julie Barrett, and I teach at Rockford Christian School. Um, I taught there since 2007. Um, and I teach fifth and sixth grade. I teach the literacy and social studies portions of those two grades, and then I also teach sixth grade Bible um, and, and the sixth grade homework teacher. Uh, I went to college at Taylor University in Indiana and graduated and taught um, two years in Indianapolis Public Schools. And then I moved here to West Michigan and um, taught year-round programming at Camp Rogers for a year, and then I started uh, in sixth grade at Rockford Christian in 2007. And full disclosure, my first year teaching sixth grade, I think my students read one book and I read them one book. And like, they've since then become really wonderful adults who like made it fine. But when I think about my, my reading instruction, I'm like, what was, like, I do not know what I was doing. One of them is my coworker now and I'm like, say I remember sixth grade? Like what? Like now I'm like, my kids are, I are reading a ton, and I think as a whole, education has gotten a lot more serious about reading instruction and what does it look like and how do we do it well. Um, so I'm going to show you a little video clip um, from Ratatouille, and um, I'll tell you why I, uh, I'm going to show it to you after I watch it, but while you watch it, if you kind of want to think, uh, if we're talking about digging deep into things that we're reading and really analyzing them and enjoying them, why might I have chosen this stuff? So I don't know if you were able to hit that like for us. Thanks. Oh, Gusto was right. Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Each flavor was totally unique. But combine one flavor with another, and something new was created. Teach you about food. Close your eyes. Now take a bite of 
avenue where I feel like kids can develop a deeper understanding of what they're reading and they're going to do those when kids have a deeper understanding of what they're reading ability to interact with it ability to discuss it they're going to be able to comprehend it and answer questions on standardized tests that matter as well um, so I think I want my students to be able to read and think critically communicate clearly and listen charitably and I would say that those are things that would be true and across a wide spectrum of things and when you have book club discussions in a classroom, they have to do that. They have to read and think critically. They have to figure out how to communicate those ideas that they have, including providing support, and to listen with a, with a desire to understand and work together. Um, so I hope that you can leave today with kind of a framework, framework for some things that you could implement in your classroom. Uh, I, because I teach two grade levels of literacy I have the same group of students over a two-year two time period and I love the growth that I get to see in the kids over that two-year time period it's huge I um, we're, I'm just starting the first round of fall book clubs with my sixth graders and they were my kids were saying to me this week like um, what are you doing over break and I was saying we don't it's not really break like we're teachers are gonna be something else. they were asking about this and I said I was presenting and sharing about book clubs. I said, what would you want me to tell these other teachers? And they're like, tell them. It is a lot of work, but it is so fun. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay. Like, I think that's, and, and I try to pace it. Like, for me as a teacher, I feel like in the middle of a book club, it does sort of feel like you're pushing a bus uphill because it is, it is a lot of intensive work to help kids think deeply about what they're reading and to support their answers in the text and to analyze all those different things. Um, and then I also have kids who are like, I read this first book of this series in this book club, and I loved it so much, and then I tried to start the second one, but I wasn't with the book club, and it's just not the same, and so I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it in the same way, and so I think, uh, not everybody feels that way, but I think that there is real value in helping kids give them avenues for discussing things that they're thinking about, what they're reading. Um, okay, so practical steps. Um, I would say part one is building excitement and setting expectations in your classroom. Part two is actually having the discussions, and part three is the assessment portion of it. Um, I am going to try to do it more in like uh, some specific examples, but also general things, because I think that you could take this framework and you could implement it into whatever reading standard that you want to be working on. Um, the book club discussion is a way to work on a different reading standard or skill. It is not the entirety and I've done it in a, in a lot of different I've taught and assessed a lot of different reading standards within the context of book clubs um, so a Hyman blog person <laughs> said um, in reading workshop book clubs provide a structure for meaningful purposeful conversations about books students meet regularly in small groups to study and talk about a book that they're reading together as kids read they are encouraged to stop and jot from time to time to gather ideas and text evidence to support their thinking. In this way, book clubs provide an authentic purpose for reading closely, note-taking, writing about what they're reading uh, to prepare for great conversation. Um, and my students prepare for book clubs, and we'll talk about this more specifically, but, um, and then share, they like write a journal that they share with their group and they get so proud about their journals and they'll, they'll come in and say like, I think I wrote a really good one this time. I can't, I cannot wait to share it. Or they'll say like, um, I left my journal on your desk in case you wanted to share like an example with anybody. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and so I think that, and you know, 
people say sometimes, like, well, what if, what if your kids don't read for the discussion? And I'm like, oh, no. They, they absolutely read because if they haven't read, they can't complete the journal. If they can't complete the journal, they don't get to participate in the reading. Like, they, they don't get to participate in sharing their thoughts around it. So one time I was saying to my students, like, you guys, I really appreciate that you guys have been so faithful with your reading and your journal entries. And someone was like, well, what else would we do? And I'm like, well, sometimes teachers have kids that don't do the reading. They're like, they couldn't. They, if they didn't do their reading, they can't participate. <laughs> like, what would, that would be horrible to have to sit there and listen to everyone else's ideas but not get to share your own. And so I feel like there's really, like, ownership that goes into what the kids feel um, excited about. Um, okay, so book club allows students to read, write, and discuss. Collaborating with peers gives excitement. So um, I would say before I start, which, sorry, this font, I should have used a thicker font. Um, but I'll share it with you. I would say the, um, like, the prep work of setting expectations, part of it is how do you set expectations around the journals, and part of it is how do you set expectations around the discussions, because both of those pieces are important for making sure that you can have a good, um, a good profitable discussion. And so um, in the process of them learning how to journal, I'll show them samples of other entries from previous years and let them analyze them. Um, I will we'll write a sample entry from like a, a current mentor text that we're reading in class. And so if I'm reading Wonder to them, we'll write one all together that's based off of our reading of Wonder. Um, and then I have the students practice writing their own. And then we kind of, we analyze and talk about their own. And so we say, this is a learning and growing process. Nobody writes amazing journal entries every single time. Nobody writes amazing ones from the very first moment. But we learn and grow. And part of that is being able to analyze how we're doing. Um, and I'll share this later too, but I read and write alongside with my students. And so when, with one group, one, one of their first um, journals, I had read my journal and we were reading Esperanza Rising and I had I know, written something around symbolism of part of the book and this one fifth grade girl, I like finished reading, she like smacked the table. She's like, that was so good. <laughs> I was like, I am the teacher, you know? <laughs> I know, but I just, I guess, didn't know that people could write that kind of stuff about what they're reaping. And so I think for them to be able to see examples of thinking deeper, and honestly, by the end of fifth grade, I have kids that write stuff, and I think, I didn't even pick that out. Like, I didn't even see that part of it, or I didn't, that was something that <coughs> they saw that I would not see, because good literature has so many rich themes and so many nuances of things that are happening, and so in the same way that when you could get together with a group of adults and discuss a, a book deeply, students should, should and can be able to do that same thing. Um, so I'll tell you what I say to my kids for their journal entries is that a good journal entry, like essentially they're taking a whole book and we're done, we divide it up into like five or six discussion times. And they have a class work period uh, to read and work on their journaling and then the following day is a discussion more or less. They end up having to do some work at home. Some of them read all of it the first night. Some of it, they, some kids who have accommodations, I'll figure out an audio version to help support that or different things like that. But I say they need to have at least one full page, um, include at least one specific quote and a page number that would reference back to their ideas. Um, it is not a summary or a book review. 
I feel like so many students come in and they are like ready to tell me everything that happened and what they read and I'm like we all read it we all know we don't need you to reread what happened because we read it too and then I would say in terms of book review and I don't know I mean I think some kids will say like you might like this book if or like I mean one time I had this kid who was just being a stinker and was like this is the stupidest book my teacher I can't believe my teacher's making us read this well and I like talked to them I'm like you didn't read did you he was like, well, I mean, not really, but I just think this whole thing is dumb. So I was kind of like, okay, you can, this is, I don't, I don't, I mean, I joke with my kids, like, I don't actually care if you like what you read or not. This is analyzing what's happening in the story. This is not, and you can give a book talk about your review on different things at a different time. This is saying what's happening in the story. What are the deeper thoughts? What are you pulling out? What are you seeing as what the author was trying to do through what they were writing? Um, Okay, this is, this is my really beautiful artist uh, rendition that was from my board. <laughs> the um, analogy that I give, my, I have my kids draw this in their read-or-writer notebook. And um, we talk about how, like, in analyzing what we're reading, like, this is the surface level. And then everything that we do, our journal entries, we want them all to be below surface level. And so when kids will write a journal entry, I will say to them, like, hey, what do you, what do you think? Were you, like, how far down were you? Um, and especially when I'm showing them at the very beginning sample journal entries, I'll have them analyze and place them where they think they would be in this figure. And then they'll say, okay, I think that one was, like, just below the surface level because this, this, and this. Or, um, you know, someone will, I'll, the kids will be working on their journal entries, and I'll be walking around, and I'll say, hey, I see what you're doing here. You're still up in the clouds. You need to pull some things in to get it below surface level. And so, I don't, maybe you would have another picture or something that would help, but this is like the, I draw this on the board before their journal entries almost every single time and say, hey, where are you at in terms of below surface level? And the truth is, no one is, you're not going to all the time be all the way down to the bottom. And I would say anything below surface level has value. Um, and even sometimes there's something where it's like, sometimes someone will say, I wonder what will happen next. Um, and it's fine, but I'd say that's below, that's above surface level. Like, that's, that's, it's not like a deep thought. We, sure, we all are wondering what's going to happen next. That's, that's not going to pull out deeper meaning in what we're reading. So this is my little uh, picture. Um, okay, the discussion process, especially with middle schoolers, I feel like is um, very interesting and funny. Because uh, there are kids who love to talk and will talk about nothing all the time. There are kids who never want to say anything. Um, so we talk about elements of good discussion. Um, we analyze videos. I'm going to show you two different videos that I use with my class. Um, one of them, I don't actually remember how I found this video, but it is this group of teachers, and they're doing, like, um, what not to do in book club discussions. My students love this video. They request, like, like before before we have discussions, we kind of say, like, okay, what are things that I'm going to be looking for today? What are we remembering? Things like eye contact is, like, this dying art, and so you should be looking at the person who's talking. We're referring back to our books. We're, you know, not talking over each other. We're focused and whatever, all those different things. But they will say, like, can you please show us that video of those crazy teachers? And I do not, I mean, I like it. But so we watch this video that I'll show you in a second here. And we make a list of like what are positive things that happen in discussion and what are negative things. And we, we talk about it and we analyze it. And then I show them a video of students actually having a discussion. And they 
pick out what they think are positive elements and negative elements. And so I think there's a lot of, like students have to own their own participation in terms of a discussion. And I'm floating between groups, or if I have an aide in the classroom who's supporting different students, she might be with a group for the whole time. But if students are waiting on us to monitor their behavior and check them, it's not going to work. They have to be part of it. And even for each other, like I'll hear kids say like, like I say, I should be able to look across the room and know which person is talking in your group, even if I can't hear them. Because the body language of everybody in your group should be communicating what person is talking. And so they'll say, like, come on, you, eye contact, don't forget. Like, so I think that that kind of even monitoring of each other in the group is one of the things that they need to be able to develop in order for it to work. So um, I also would say there are days where sometimes we have a discussion that is a total bust. <laughs> And there are other days where I'm like, this is the best. But if over one book club discussion, they're having five or six discussions, not, hopefully not all six are going to be busts. And so some days it's a, more of a bust, and some days it's more of a, of a really good one. And so over time, it's like building practice in the right direction. So, um, okay. So the first half of this video, if you want to use this video, and then you click on this in the link that I shared to you, and then you're like, this is not the video that she showed us. It is, but the video that I'm showing you starts halfway through this video. That makes sense. So, doo -doo -doo. okay. Hold on one second. I just, I really want to get this out. So, <laughs> did you guys see a contrast in contradiction? 
in the one part that's happening. <laughs> I, I really didn't expect that. I And they were talking about what to do. Like, some of these clues were, his mom said, 
when one door will close, another one yeah. will open. And when you're and six years old, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't, but now he's, he oh, better understand that. We're talking about you better, like in the beginning, uh, about how six is a hard age because you better understand, and if you don't, they'll come clean to big lists and they'll knock you out. Okay, so it goes on a lot longer, so the students are collecting a lot more data from the video in terms of positive interaction and or or negative. And even but even things like they're giving each other eye contact, they're sharing different things. They have to work on not talking over each other, all those different things. And I feel like uh, sometimes I like to show examples that are things that are written by other students at my school. And sometimes I like to show something that's like from a completely different thing. Like they're not analyzing how did Cassidy do in her conversation. They don't know these random kids who are probably now like 20 years old. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like, once I do the work to set the expectations and build the excitement, it's almost like, I kind of feel like a little bit you're like playing a game of like, I like to the point where the, when the kids are like, please, let's just let us start the discussions. We're so ready to have discussions now. That's when I'm like, okay, I think we're ready. Um, and set a calendar, they submit book choices. Um, in that file that I'm happy to share with you, I have I share the different sets of what I do with fifth grade and sixth grade of what has kind of worked. Um, I have the kids submit choices around what, what books they're interested in, um, but then I also kind of have to, like as a teacher, I think we all have to think through different things that kids need. And so sometimes, uh, most of the of the, the sets have kind of a variety of Lexile levels, and so sometimes that means somebody needs a lower Lexile level. Level. Sometimes it means I've put a kid in a Lexile level that I know is above what is their comfort range and provided an audio support or worked with them in class because I know that either they'll be so into the content of that book or they really need to hear the conversation that some of those kids in that other group are going to have. Or I've met kids with a higher Lexile that I've had a, that, that are really interested in reading the book with the low lex, lower Lexile, and I know they're doing enough reading on their own outside of class that's going to push them. That I put them in the group with some of the lower Lexile level students, and they the, what they bring to that group conversation is really important too. And so, I feel like um, it's important that I'm not putting kids in a group that they're not going to be able to be successful in. But that looks like personality dynamics. That looks like Lexile level. That looks like groupings of friends, that looks like a bunch of different things, and so um, kids will joke, like, I know, like, sometimes I will say to a kid, I know you, like, I know you're going to be, you're not happy I didn't put you in your choice number one, but I actually think you're going to like this book better, and they'll, they, well, they love to later be like, which I feel like is kind of a funny not middle school thing, but they're like, I was so mad at you that first day, but you're right, I love this book, this is so good, like, there, one of them is uh, Lizzie Brighton, the Buckminster Boy. I don't know if you read it, but they will be like, I cried, I cried when this happened in the book, and I was so, I can't even believe that, whatever. And so I think as the teacher, it's great for kids to submit a choice around what they want, and I try to honor those choices when I can. I also think we're the teacher, and so sometimes we need to make a decision based on what probably is best for the kids. The students create the reading plan, um, and so I outline like a calendar, so I'll say, here's our calendar, here's what we're doing, Monday's work day, Tuesday's discussion number one, Wednesday's a work day, Thursday's discussion number two, Friday's a work day, month, whatever. Um, and then I say to them, look at your book and make a decision how you're going to divide it up. They have to end at the end of a chapter. Um, I think authors write in that sort of cyclical way that it makes sense to end at the end of a chapter. But otherwise, I let them choose. Typically, they just take it and divide it into five or divide it into six. 
Um, but I think it is good for them to feel sort of like they they made the decision for how much they're reading each time. Um, occasionally they'll be like, you assigned us way too much to read for this. And I'm like, you created the reading plan. You could have done something different. But then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we did. This was our... So I think for students to be part of that process, I think it also, you know, as a teacher, if you have a bunch of different kids reading a bunch of different books, it's helpful for them to do some of the light work to make make sense of what makes sense for them to read. Um, and then after they've created the reading plan, then you have to carry out the plan and check in along the way. Um, <coughs> things I would say in terms of like teacher commitments, some of these things I think are, uh, in my mind, would go without even saying. And so if you're reading them and you're like, of course. Um, I, what I want to say is, unfortunately, when I've had conversations with teachers, I feel like there are people who are teaching books that they have not read the whole book themselves yet. And as politely as I can say, like, there's no way you can drive the bus if you don't know where you're going. And if you have not finished reading that whole book, there's, you, like, you're, you're not going to be able to guide those conversations or ask those questions in the way that you want to or need to. I listen to audiobooks a ton. I listen to, I, like, download free stuff on Hoopla or Overdrive from the library. Um... I have like an every other month Audible subscription where 90% of my books are young adult fiction books because I just, I, I, I need to listen to them. Um, and if I, if, if I don't have time to sit and read, I'm going to audio listen to them. Um, I'm also going to reread the book in the pacing with the student. So I know exactly what part they ended at. Um, in an ideal setting, I've reread the section that they're going to be reading the day before they have their work day because then I know exactly what, like I have the freshest memory of it. There are some times where I have a fifth grade book group and a sixth grade book club going at the same time and I am reading like four to six different books and it just, like, realistically that doesn't always happen. But when I can, that's what I would try to do. And then I'm going to write alongside with the students and I'm going to share my journal entry. Um, and I think it's good for that. They need to be able to see adult examples of analyzing what they're reading uh, and it's a natural way I mean I will float between groups and kids will sometimes say like we need you to come back because the rest of us have read our journal entries but we're waiting on your journal um, and so I think for them to be able to hear an adult too is, is beneficial um, for students I would say they need to complete the reading and journal entry um, this is kind of funny but I tell them they're not allowed to read ahead um, and I when Good. Does it really? Partial. So here's the thing. This is what I say to them. Um, one, I think they want to read ahead then because the second you tell someone they can't do it, that's like all they're thinking about. Um, but what I say to them is your group is discussing things like you're savoring, like that Ratatouille clip. You are just savoring each little piece of the book. And when you read that whole thing, you're not pausing in the middle of it to get those little sections. Um, I also usually say like, if you think that you can, like, kids will be like, but I won't spoil anything. And then they're like, wait, did it happen yet that so-and-so died? Oh, oh, sorry, guys. And, like, it just, like, it doesn't work. We cannot catch ourselves. Um, and they, I just gave my students, uh, my sixth graders, I sent them home on, right before this break for this, with a book that they are starting to read. And I was saying to them, like, part of me doesn't want to send this home with you because I really am afraid some of you might read the whole thing over break and then it's just going to ruin the whole thing. You're going to just like have scarfed it down and not get to digest it in those little pieces. And so I said, do I, do I want you to 
read past where you're supposed to. Like, I give them post-it notes, and they put it in their book to, like, figure out where to stop. And um, they were like, nope, you don't want us to read ahead. I'm like, but what if I really like it? And then this one girl goes, you don't care. <laughs> Actually true, Allie, I don't care. And they were like, and I, what I say to them is if you, if you can't stop reading, get another book and read another book. Like this is, this is one, one way of doing the reading at one point during the year. Not everything is meant to be like a book club and not everything is meant to be like a read it straight through, but this is meant to be in a section sort of way. Um, and then that they need to bring their book back and forth to school every day. Um, and they, they need it because they have to refer back to the text in their conversations and in their discussions. So when so-and-so says on page 78, so-and-so says, everybody turns in their book to 78, and everybody finds that quote. Um, I will tell you um, a few silly examples of what I say to my kids, and um, maybe these kind of things would work with your kids, or maybe this would not work with your personality, but for whatever it's worth. Um, for the full one-page journal entry, I always say to them, if I order a pizza, because they'll say, like, is this, is this good? Is this enough? And it's like, three-fourths of a page. I'm like, if I ordered a pizza and I went to pick it up and I opened up the pizza box, there's just like a little bit missing. I would go back into the pizza place and say, excuse me, I ordered a whole pizza. I don't know what happened. And they, so what I say is I, or, like you can write more than a page, but I ordered a whole pizza. And so sometimes I'll hear the kids say to each other when they're like, I think I might be done. They'll say like, she ordered a whole pizza. And they're like, <laughs> and so I mean, that's like the whole page too, where it's like, we talk about like margin to margin. And again, sometimes you have to make adaptations or changes or I'll scribe for students who have trouble with that or we figure out some stuff with writing but, or like with typing or whatever. You can play around with different things that different students need. But I say to my class, I was in middle school once. We all know what you're trying to do when you try to pull that, like, oh, I didn't know that, like, suddenly I'm, like, writing really big or whatever. Um, and so the instead of me being, like, that's not good enough, that, like, to just, I just say, I ordered a whole pizza. That is not a whole pizza. Um, and then with their books, this might sound really weird, but it has worked well. Um, I call it, like, their baby or their puppy or their kitten. <laughs> we talk about how, like, you would never leave your, like, new little kitten at home or, like, just not know where it was or, like, your little puppy or, like, that baby at, like, and so kids will, kids will be like, I love my baby at home. <laughs> and I'm like, like, what's that? Or they'll say, like, and I feel like it takes away when kids are saying, like, I just don't know where my book is. I'm like, you would never not know where your puppy is. Like, you, so, um, and some of it, that is, like, we just talk, it's, like, a silly, dumb way. So when we're, like, what's stored in their head before they're leaving school is, oh, I got to bring my puppy home and my puppy back to school, or my baby home or whatever. Um, I feel like they think it's the most hilarious thing of, like, or they'll come in and be like, I'm remembering my baby today. <laughs> so in whatever it looks like, I feel like there are some kids who I who, based on their executive function, cannot keep track of one book. And so if I have an extra copy, I'm going to send one book home for that kid to keep at home and one for in their locker, and that, that we're going to do that. But for many kids, they just need to keep track of it and to, to know, like, part of being ready for school is that they put their baby in their backpack. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to talk about assessments. And this is... Um, so I tried to pull basically like one standard, and I know I only, I put fourth through seventh on here, but essentially the RL 4.2, 5.2, 6.2, 7.2, 
is all around the theme and analyzing the theme, and it looks a little bit different in different grades. Um, obviously, it gets more complex. But if I, I don't grade their journal entries, it is crazy business to think that kids are going to submit all of those things to me, and I'm going to grade and make all these notes on them every single day, and then return them back. That's a waste of my time, and it's a, it's like that's not that's not the purpose of their journal entries. The purpose of their journal entries is like formative check-ins to see how are they doing along the way in analyzing things deeper. At the end, I'm going to have done some review around. I'm going to have done some talking about. Okay, how do we identify theme? Have people been talking about theme in their discussions? What kind of support have we provided? Um, in a review day, I would maybe read like a short picture book and do a practice of talking about theme from that picture book and providing support. Then I'm going to assess them, and the assessment at the end is what I'm going to grade based on whether or not they have mastery of that standard. Um, Every Living Thing by Cynthia Ryland, I don't know if anyone's familiar with this book, it has pretty short little stories that are great for using, basically they'll read it in class and then answer a question around theme or something. Um, a lot of these, I don't know if they're legal or not, but a lot of these are available through different online sources as well. So like if you were to just Google like Cynthia Ryland short stories, um, some of them I've been able to just pull from like random websites. Yeah. I understand that you don't read the journals, but if it's obvious that there is a child that is not giving you a full pizza, uh -huh. what happens, I know they don't get to participate, yeah. in, and is that just enough, that correction is enough to get them not to usually do it again? So sometimes I make them stay in at recess okay. and work on it with me. Okay. Um, there's a lot of, uh, if I can get enough positive peer pressure, kids okay. kids are like, I can't really do that to your journal entries. Like, or kids will say, like, that's not, like, that's all surface level. That's all about the surface level. So some of it, and, and or while they're working in class, if on a work day, I'm going to check in with somebody and say, hey, I noticed on your last journal, it seemed like we had a lot of stuff above the surface. Okay. What can, let, let's talk through an idea that you could write about on this next one that's for sure going to push you below the surface. When yeah. you say, like, you notice that in their journal, are mm -hmm. you just saying, like, from you walking around mm -hmm. and listening? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you're having them actually handwrite it, like mm -hmm. you have a notebook? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. You could do a lot of different things for the, for, for what, it's, it has worked okay for handwriting on a page for me. Yeah. Just due to size, like, do you? A spiral notebook or do you do a composite notebook because those are two different sizes. Totally. You could do either. I do a spiral notebook. You do? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm like, if you just get lines, you can do two. It's fine. You go. It's no problem. Um, but I feel like... College-wide rules. Yeah. I mean, some of it, like, some kids are going to write way bigger. Some kids write way smaller. Um, there are some groups and sometimes where I'm like, for this last one, we're going to do a page and a half. There are some kids who, in the past, I've had kids who write like four pages. And I'm like, go ahead and choose one to start sharing with the group at the beginning. If there's still time at the end, then we can hear some of the other pages. Yeah. And speaking just about like writing in general, like what about those that don't like to write? Like I can barely get kids to write sometimes four sentences. <coughs> what, is, what is it that you encourage in the journal? Just get your thoughts down? or like what Yeah, so I would say like, 
thoughts, feelings, what are you observing, what happened. So sometimes, and I will show you this in my... Sorry, jumping no, that's okay. I'm great with jumping around because I feel like especially... So um, sometimes I'm like, tell me anything about thoughts, feelings, deeper things about what you're reading. Sometimes I give them really pointed questions that are explicit, like explicitly connected to. They will say, I'm currently writing about RL 6.3, and then they'll answer questions around that. Um, so here's like, I'll give you an example. Um, so I do a mystery book club um, with fifth graders, and then I'll give them this whole, let's see if this is going to, here's a list that I give them. Um, of questions that I developed that I felt like were connected to standards. And then I say, tell me anything about any of these. And then on their journal page, so like here's their journal page. If they're writing about C, they'll put a C off to the side and then they'll start to write about C. And then if they write about F, they'll put an F off to the side and write about F. So um, just like print that and give it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then over, because it's hard, like if you're saying, I feel like, okay, we're reading these 50 pages and you need to write about foreshadowing. Well, maybe there's no foreshadowing in those 50 pages and it makes zero sense for you to be looking for that. And so instead to say, here's a whole bunch of stuff that you could be looking for in what you're reading. Um, and I have some kids who are like, I love when you give us the letters to write about. And other kids who are like, I'd rather not have the letters. I just want to tell you something else that I want to tell you. Um, if we have time at the end, then sometimes kids, I'll say you need to write at least a page about the letters, and if you had something else you wanted to say, you can put it on that next page, or even just jot down some things, and then share it with the class, um, or with the group. Um, so like, that's one that I would do, let me see if I can pull another one. Um, we do historical fiction book clubs with Revolutionary War, fifth grade studies Revolutionary War during social studies, and so at the end of the year we do Revolutionary War historical fiction book clubs. Um, these are like, more, I had more questions with these that, um, like more bullet point things that built out from them. Um, like who has power, who's in charge, what are some signs of power in the text, does power shift in the story, what kinds of resistance are there, what kind of, what is, what kind of power does the resistance have, those kind of things. And so we... Kids don't all have to write about any of them, but as we progress through the discussions, I might say, hey, go back and look at your notebooks and see if you've written about A every single time, you've mastered that probably. You don't need to practice that anymore. Look for another one to write about. Um, and even if they aren't writing about themselves, somebody else probably isn't, so they're hearing other people writing about that even if they're not. Does that answer? Right. How big are the groups? Usually. Okay, yeah, so it depends on the size of my class. Um, I would say at least four okay. and preferably no more than seven. Because I feel like less than four and they don't have enough to kind of build off right. of and more than seven, they're like over it by the, I mean, I am too, but the last person. Um, okay, so I'll show you this assessment real fast and then I'm happy to, okay, yeah. So, for instance, this was a, a theme essay that a fifth grader wrote, this was a couple years ago. So, we, they had done practice around theme and writing a theme and then there was a video clip that we watched, it's called the Michigan football team and it's like this 
uh, it was actually, if any of you teach Lucy Hawkins, I feel like I, it was pulled from one of her assessments, this like football team where they like, there was a player that uh, they, who, um, they helped score a touchdown when he had never scored a touchdown. And then I had them read Stray, which is an excerpt from Every Living Thing from that book. So the question is, after watching the Michigan football team and reading Stray, identify at least two themes that could be shared. Compare and contrast the themes that are developed in both stories. So I'll read, this is Caitlin's. Uh, one theme is, you should be kind to others. In Stray, Doris is kind to the dog. She feeds him table scraps. Mrs. Lacey grudgingly let Doris feed it table scraps. Page 1, line 26 and 27. Doris is very kind to the dog, even though her parents could not wait to bring him to the pound. That is how Doris was kind to the dog. At Olivet Middle School, the football team planned for weeks just to let one of their friend, friend and teammate, I think it was supposed to say score. They helped Keith Orr score his first touchdown and made his dream come true. Keith's teammates were very, very, very happy with his scored when he scored his touchdown. Doris and the football team from Olivet Middle School were both very happy to help their friends, even though it was hard. That is how they showed kindness. So, again, then she continued on with another theme. I didn't want to do the whole thing, but I feel like after practice of hearing other people write about theme, I have seen a ton of growth in my students in being able, especially like that, 5.1, 5.2, or whatever, 6.1, some, like, the anchoring your answer in the text is so important, and I feel like that's even, that's one of the huge things in reading comprehension, because you're having to look back and answer. Yeah? I do have a question. I mean, I see it, and I think, wow, this is such great prep for kids going into high school mm -hmm. and into college, because I think a lot of them are hard to analyze totally. the literature, right? They can read a book or answer questions about it, but... So, are you thinking of... I know what you said, that really your goal is that you want them to love yes. what they're reading. Yeah. Okay. Are you sort of thinking in the longer term too? For like, sure. Yeah, I'm prepping them for. For sure. Yeah, and I mean, I would say hopefully everything we're doing is looking down the road. Yeah. And some, I mean, I will say to them like, you guys, these discussions today were so good. There are high school classes that would love to come and listen. They wouldn't really, but like, you know, like there are high schoolers who could really benefit from hearing your discussion around this book. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is if you could. There are AP classes where that's what, I mean, what, what you're doing is you're reading something and analyzing it. Yeah. yeah. Do you make different assessments? Like, if there are four different books being read in your class, you make like a separate I make one assessment for all of them. So at the end of reading the book, the book was all practice around some of those different standards, and then everyone's going to do the same assessment. And so, um, for instance, I did... Um, a whole book club unit on, like, we called it Biblical Justice, and they read two different books, Front Desk, Animal, Unbound, and we talked about some different um, areas of injustice, like, injustice in the world. And then they read, this was my sixth graders last year, and they, they read, like, a 40-page excerpt from the book Blended by Sharon Draper, and then answered questions from that. So it was like basically it's giving them a new piece that they're all reading and then practicing the skills. So along the way when they're having their book clubs, it doesn't matter how much necessarily directly like input I'm giving them or they're stealing ideas from other people because it's all practice. And then the final assessment is a brand new piece of writing, a brand new piece of reading. And you pick a level that's like middle? 
<laughs> yeah, it depends. Um, if I feel like I have a really good thing, but it's going to be too hard for some kids, I might, especially if their accommodations would kind of lean towards this, the, someone would read the piece of them. Okay. Okay, so here's, this was, Seed Folks is another great one. Um, it's, it's by Paul Fleischman, and it's like a bunch of every single different chapter is a different person's voice. This is a fun one on audio. Um, especially like my voice gets so tired yelling through a mask all day long and so uh, this on audio is awesome because it's also people from different countries and different backgrounds and so I'm not going to read in different people's accents but through the audio it looks awesome um, but so this was I just this was one day I my students were like would you like us to share some of our journal entries so you could show the teachers I was like shut up this is great so um, in this final chapter something I noticed as as the cycle and the nature of the community garden holds. The garden, time and time again, has touched the hearts of others. There has been joy and joy spread throughout the community. Something I found fascinating was how all this joy came from a little girl named Kim planting six bean plants, but it evolved into something greater, and that power is community. Um, this is somebody else's. Another thing I saw in this chapter was how the author showed how people depended on the garden. With the mirror in his chapter, it showed how people actually interact with each other now that there is a garden. In Nora's chapter, it shows how Miles is given new life, again with Royce getting help and Sayon creeping out of her shell. I, saw, I also saw how the author fully connects the title at the start of the chapter and uses people's past at other places to connect it to the garden and to the town situation. What grade is this? Six. So I feel like kids are totally capable of this, but we have like I didn't ask them to do this before, and so I never saw it. Um, and it's like, they, it's kind of like a snowball because someone's like, oh, this is amazing. This is fun. And then they're like, oh, I, I can, I'm going to, I have a really good thing to share too. Um, okay. I want to totally respect everyone's time and the end of the day. So I'm happy to answer any questions. I'm also 0% offended if your brains are fried and you sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your timeline when you do books like this? Do you, like, you said you had, like, work day, discussion day. Is mm -hmm. that, like, work for them to read in class? Or is it, like, okay, I'm also doing, like, a thing for my tech to go up during this? No. Okay. So you say, like, this month you're doing book clubs, mm -hmm. and you teach your textbook at different times? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how many times do you do book club in a year? So it depends. Um, <laughs> that's, that's that nice? Um, uh, with fifth grade, I do it at least three times, and with sixth grade, I do it at least twice. Um, but depending, like if I'm going to look at my kids' scores and say this is whatever, they're they're we're really low in this, or I have a, a group that's really struggling, then I'm like, okay, I what depending on what I I only have one. I don't know how where it's like in your schools, but I only have one section of students that I'm working with in fifth grade, and one that I'm working with in sixth grade, and so. I make a lot of changes based on where those kids are at of what they need, but, yeah. Can you give us your email? Yes, oh, 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 yes, okay, yeah, so, um, it's jbarrett at grcs.org, two R's, two T's, um, and I, yeah, I'm happy, I'll just share that whole folder with you, um, and you're welcome to use any of it. If, if you have other questions, I'm happy to pass things along or whatever, but um, yeah, I feel like, like reading is supposed to be fun, 
and also not just fluff. And so it's good for both. Yeah. Do you ever do one book, the whole class is doing one book that there is a group? With sixth grade, I've done that with A Wrinkle in Time. Um, but literally, I just taught that book because there was like a bunch of free ones, and I took them. <laughs> so, so it wasn't necessarily on purpose, but um, but they like, I feel like they like the different groups and the choice of things. Um, but sometimes, most, I've only done it with that book. Yeah. How many different books do you do to Two to four. So with fifth grade, I do like an intro, mysteries, and historical fiction. Yeah, uh, Intro, just kind of like, just get their feet wet, like, and that one is like, I don't provide questions because I just want it to be like as broad as possible. And then we do mysteries in February and historical fiction in May. And with sixth grade, I do like an environmental fiction more, and then biblical justice, and then maybe a bonus one. So, so like your schedule, like daily, kind of what does that look like? Um, I'll pull up. Let me see if I can find it. 